0: right on welcome back wrench nation hanging out with you guys from the east valley institute of the technology people your favorite automotive lifestyle show always always greeting you on a midweek home day with one of our favorite bands you check them out udos band on spotify as we do the therapy coming right to you from the trumpet section yeah yeah I know where you're at. I see you right now you're working. You're in school. You're grinding. Take a little therapy. Take five minutes and get your addiction to a nice trumpet section. Brass, woodwinds, all of that. Bump up the Budo Spam. Let's do this. That's what life's about. you got to get a little brass in your life. I know a lot of you saying, no, I like hip-hop, I like classical, I like this or that. And some of you listen to German waltzes. It's okay. But what I'm saying, the point is, you got to get your groove on. Because a lot of you aren't. You're working too hard without keeping a balance in life. Ranch Nation, we talk about this balance in life. Not that we're getting deep in the melancholy Blues. I tell my kids all the time, I say, listen, you can't live high and mighty, but you can't live low and low. Find a happy place. And so why not introduce a happy place with the Budos Band? They're out of Staten Island. Check them out. We're honored to have them open up the show for us. RetroNation.TV, I invite you people. There's plenty of great shows covering all kinds of automotive goodness, the good works in the industry. And actually, on this show, we're going to dive deep to the good works of your team and culture. Are you vibing? Are you guys vibing? There's one or two of you you're not vibing. Meaning you show up and that's it. How can we get folks on a team to show up? Get down in third quarter. They're losing. They're done. So the average individual would think, but when you have a diverse team, That's there with ideas, different options to bring to the table, to find solution. Guess what? We are going to win the game of business and life. How many will you agree? I think you will. You're in positions right now where it's stale. It's flat. You're just showing up. And that's not good enough. On today's show, we're going to talk about the power of diversity in the workplace how it truly leads to innovation and a much more competitive advantage. I don't care if you run a lemonade stand with three people or you're in a corporate setting where you have different departments. This is important because business is not easy. The message of your brand is not easy. I don't care if you're slinging hot dogs or selling automotive service. How we get along and how we open up to a culture of we, is imperative. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're honored to have, man, I love this gal, Jill Trotta. She's a 30-year industry veteran. Jill Trotta, she started changing tires. I think she started at the junkyard somewhere. She started way on the bottom. Nothing against our junkyard family. But Jill Trotta is an industry veteran and a current ASC certified technician advisor. And uh, she's got a lot of experience. And Jill Trotta is currently... Torqueda. We're going to talk more about Torqueda. I want you now, not while you're driving. T-O-R-Q-A-T-A. If you're in the tire industry, I want you to pay attention. Torqueda. Jill heads the uh, business development and marketing over there. And then we got the Grand Puba, the CEO of Torqueda Data Analytics. Uh, Of course, uh, Tim Eisenman. Uh, He's going to be joining us. And what are we going to do? We're going to dive into this conversation. Now, before you shut us down, you need to pay attention. You need to open your horizon. Stop going to the same restaurant eating the same stuff. Some of you eat the same stuff. I want you to open up. We're going to try new things for those small businesses that are hearing about sort of this movement of diversity and inclusivity. Well, why do I need to do that? I'm just going to hire the best people, and so be it. We're going to tell you why that may be a mistake. Not hiring the best people, but not keeping a team open for the end game solution of a win for your team. So, we're diving deep in the power of diversity. Uh, in studio, I'm honored. I've got two former guests. I want to introduce Mr. Kieran O'Brien, a nice Irish fellow. What are you doing, baby? Hey, what's up, Frank? Yeah, show number 281. We had a whole, you're like the AI. Like I, I hear the angels singing because everyone is like AI and, and we're all confused and this guy AI is doing this and this and and you're on it, man. You yes. lead the charge with AI.
1: It's good to be back. And you know what? One thing that AI can't replace is company culture and leadership. And so you know Fact. that's that's something that I just wanted to point out on, yeah. on today's topic.
0: I mean, you can go to Chat GPT and type in this, that, and the other thing, which scares the heck out of me. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, there's I guess there's productive productivity uh, skillage. Uh, from that, but are we going to lose our creative man? I mean, what do you what are you hearing with AI that way?
1: I, I think the the movement in AI recently is really exciting, and I think that it's only it's only making good people even better. I think that people who are already naturally creative, people who are already uh, driven and motivated, um, it's it's just giving them superpowers, uh, and that's you know that's that's kind of the applications of, of AI that I see, even in, in this industry is. Um, giving people superpowers, whether that's technicians, service advisors, shop owners, whoever it might be. I think that's that's the application that we need to focus on.
0: Kieran, when you say superpowers, are we burnt out? I mean, what? seriously, are we burnt out? I mean, if you look at an average service writer, advisor, they're like day traders. They got like eight screens open.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's It's, it's a big factor. And if you can make somebody's life easier, you can make their workflow simpler and you can provide a better customer experience to the, the consumer, the, the owner of the vehicle at, at a shop, for example, that's a win-win-win as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Kieran O'Brien, tell folks where they can go. I know you've got some uh, pretty powerful Facebook groups. Uh, yeah. We've got a lot of shop owners hanging out. Where do you want
1: to direct them? Yeah. Uh, hanging out's the right word. The the Facebook group that that we own is called uh, Auto Shop Owners Hangout. We've got about 3,000 shop owners in there, only shop owners. Um, we don't we don't let anybody else in. It's highly vetted. And so it's it's kind of just a, a safe space for shop owners to be um, To be open and honest and transparent about what they're dealing with in their business and you know on on that note uh you know based on the the guest you have in the studio today there's a lot of conversations in that facebook group about company culture and hiring and leadership and so that's a big big topic that we see in that group a lot
0: man i started years ago i mean this is back when we had no scruples uh i mean we were washing parts with gasoline i mean it was just like we broke so many rules And and we're going to talk deeper on it like on today's work ethic culture and that sort of thing uh, within that diversity and inclusivity platform. Uh, another gentleman in studio, Todd Ramsey, Ramsey Consulting. What are you doing?
2: Hey, Frank. Thanks again for having me on. Y- you
0: said to me, can I come hang? I'm like, my house is your house, baby. Right. Yep. You're looking good. Thank you. Appreciate hey, that. what's shaking in uh, in the world? Give the people now, what are you seeing in the automotive industry? If I'm a shop owner and I'm not paying t- paying attention or I'm a technician, and I'm not paying attention, what could put me out of business? What are you seeing right now that's just beyond buzzworthy? Forget the buzz and the hashtag fake news. What do I need to do right now? What should I pay? Is it AI?
2: Well, it could, uh, that could be a component of it, but I think uh, you know, on a 30,000-foot view, a simple way to look at it is you want to give people, uh, empower them with uh, processes that provide predictable outcomes. And so, as a business owner, uh, or as a somebody in a leadership position, I would be really fine-tooth combing my processes to find out where's this mucking up the works. Why does this take longer? Why do we not, you know, know that this is coming in and have that part? Or, or it could be, um, you know, process things related in, in the business that uh, require technicians to uh, spend more unpaid or unbillable time doing things that, you know, you might be able to uh, fold into the to the bill Damn. somehow or. Or, uh, you know, hire out for that.
0: Well, you know, I see so many operations uh, nationally uh, that are coming up, and they have no choice. I mean, technology is blazing under hood. you got to get your act together there for sure, which means, I mean, we banged our chest when we said 40 hours a year in training. Yeah, that may be a that may be per month right now with uh, control there. And in fact, somebody called me a mechanic. I said, "No, you're gonna call me a network engineer." Thank you.
2: That's <laughs> right, CanBus, LinBus, uh, the most infotainment system, and in all the German, European cars. Uh, it's and it goes on from there. That's, it does, yeah.
0: it does, and that's why uh, you know one of our taglines is, "Yeah, you better hug a mechanic <laughs> because right. there's a lot under hood." Um, tell folks where they can find you. Would you like a LinkedIn or what? Uh, Ramsey yeah.
2: consulting group is our website, ramseyconsultinggroup.com, consulting uh, uh, LinkedIn slash Ramsey. Consulting tell the group. people,
0: what do you do under that? I know you do a lot of work with SEMA,
2: right? So, uh, our, uh, business is, is consulting in the aftermarket uh, space, largely automotive electronics and transportation oriented. And, and, uh, uh we're working right now, uh, with, have been for the last several years, uh, with SEMA on uh, high school, a vehicle build program in which uh, SEMA uh, furnishes a a qualifying high school, a vehicle to customize, and then they connect them with all the SEMA member companies who can provide aftermarket parts for that. And uh, the students get the experience of customizing a vehicle, and at the end of their uh, cycle with it, uh, it's sold uh, on bringatrailer.com, and uh, all that money goes back into the fund uh, to continue the program for other schools, and so we're we're uh, reaching kids at the high school level there, and which that's, it should be. That's I pretty mean, exciting. Yeah.
0: Uh, some are some are thinking, okay, we got AI, chat GPT, cars driving themselves. Maybe you don't own a car, and car culture is going away. I'm not. In fact, I talked 99.9 percent. I know we're an automotive lifestyle show, but most of our folks are saying no. No matter what technology does under hood, you can still bring a youngster.
2: That's right a skilled trade. For sure. And uh, I, I, one of the things I talk about is when I go visit these schools, uh, there are some schools that are, you know, rural and have good uh, uh, infrastructure for uh, skilled trades programs and vocational programs. And I got to tell you, man, as far as the uh, just the natural talent I see uh, in, you know, potentially in automotive space or mechanical is uh, kids that come from uh, farms. You know, they know how to work on tractors and mowers and all kinds of engines. well the total opposite states.
0: like yeah. I grew up in New York City uh I, I I I hopped the subway I knew how to throw a coin and the token in the deal and you know once all we hopped the turnstile but what I'm saying is I could see that like you know in the in the cities coastally speaking where we have mass transit that works you know those kids may not they may not come up in fact I read a statistic uh the amount of skilled trades high schools in LA, used to be 50, oh, 60, yeah. 70, 80 and now it's down. It's like 2 or 3 maybe?
2: Yeah, I know a lot of uh, former teachers from that program in the different disciplines uh automotive, automotive electronics, computers and that kind of stuff and they definitely have uh, scaled down a lot of those things, which which is a shame cuz those those kids could go right to work after you know, Yeah. Going I think program. we're turning the page. I think we're yeah.
0: turning the page not only um from a, you know, a public point of view, but I think a lot of us in the industry We're not waiting around. You know, we're going to mentor students in the garage. We're going to show up to these advisory boards, and we're going to grab the bull by the horn. Because I have said this before. You've heard me say it. The shortage is real. Big deal. Do something about it. Stop talking about it. Stop reading about it. We're not going anywhere. So make change happen in your service bay. And through SEMA with this program, that's lighting a fire, and that is amazing.
2: I think that uh, also you should consider the fact that uh, new New people like in the high school skilled trades in that age range, they don't yet have bad habits. So they're perfectly ripe to mentor.
0: Not like us. We got, yeah, yeah behavior. Well,
2: washing stuff with gas. I mean, come on, Frank. <laughs> well, listen, speaking
0: of, speaking of habits, um, you want to get on to Torquata, dot uh, com, where you look at behavior, emotion. He said, she said. You got to strip that out. Like an athlete that has to perform and measure. I'm running a six minute mile. How do I get to five minute? I've got to measure. Driving better decisions through data and analytics. Torqueda is a company that's on the cutting edge of providing that because we got to measure. You can't be in business if you're not measuring. And we're honored to talk about uh, a deep topic. It doesn't have to be rocket science, deep. The Power of Diversity in Workplace. We've got Jill Trotta-Torqueda, excuse me, VP of Business Development and Marketing, as well as uh, CEO uh, Tim Heisenman. They're going to join us. We'll be back. Ranch Nation.
1: They say I'm too young to love you. I don't know what I need. I think I don't
3: understand the freedom land of the seven.
4: mileage
2: back. Of course
0: you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com That's BGFindAShop.com I got my
4: mileage
3: back.
0: bolt-on technologies automotive software solutions auto repair shops that have bolt-on technology software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text real-time digital reports multi-point inspections estimates and repair information at your fingertips Info at boltontechnology.com Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry pronto association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors visit pronto-net.com automotive technical training parts lineup and representation of the automotive member community pronto-net.com whether you're looking for a full service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store mail shark has got you covered With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. 52% of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women of professional technicians. Our charity partner, TechForce Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking. at 52% of these ladies out in the population, head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to techforce.org. We made a language for
3: us, to We don't need to describe. Every time you call on me, I drop a...
0: Right on. Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Uh, Jill Trotta, are you holding? Are you there? I am here, Frank. You're a rock star. Let's get Tim in. Tim, are you hanging? Absolutely. Hanging in there. I love it. I love it. So let's just get, let's get, uh, let's start from zero feet altitude. Uh, Tim, where are you calling from?
4: Uh, you know, you, you were talking about LA, California, and that's exactly where I am right now, the place where there's not a lot of skill training at the high schools.
0: Well, what I do see, and I think I think you, you agree, and I think Jill, for sure, Jill travels the country, Tim, you travel the country, uh, you're seeing a grassroots movement, many in the industry, I don't care if they're a seven-man, woman operation, or have 200 in their enterprise, you're seeing a big shift in how we take control of the future. Am I right, Tim? I
4: mean, ab- absolutely, and you kind of have to, right, because... Uh Things are changing so fast, so many macro trends, you know, it's hard to hard to even imagine what the world looked like three years ago and no idea what it's going to look like in three years. So you got to make sure to make the most of it. And, um, you know, harnessing the best in people is, a, is one way of doing that, and I kind of appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier that um, harnessing the best of people would indicate that there is a culture of we, and I think with what many – Uh, sort of have the challenge is here we are measuring the science and data, but the people want the people regarding a culture. Jill, I ask you, are you seeing those companies out there that can still keep what I call the heart for people while they're measuring all this data? So we're not treating people like robots, if you will. Um, You're seeing a balance of that. And um, I, I'm sure it's getting better as you as you travel and, and talk with many shop owners out there.
3: Yeah, I think there's a, a greater focus, for sure, on people, um, and you know your people are your greatest asset, and and protecting your people is really important. And I think um, the the last couple of years have really brought that into the forefront
0: i got to ask you, Jill, what was the trigger? Were people just fed up? I mean, what was the trigger? If we looked at this as a revolution, I'm not saying there's a certain born-on date when stuff changed dramatically, but mm-hmm. if we examine history a bit, we can certainly sort of forecast a bit about a direction for the future. How would you describe sort of this, this movement of, of change? And I'll give you an example. I had a gentleman in my shop a gifted technician. His name was Mike, and he loves that I share the story. And we would party, which means whether we're on the lake with the crew and the team, whether we're at a restaurant, we celebrate. We happen to be a Best Places to Work through Phoenix Business Journal, which was an honor as a little automotive service center. And Mike was Michaela, a beautiful individual in the evening. Had a dress. He lit it up. And now I'm thinking, listen, I grew up in New York. I I accept everything and everything under the sun. I have no problem with that. But what do you think as a leader in your organization? You start saying, okay, ooh, what's the reaction? I had no protocol. Can you tell me, are you seeing a shift in more acceptance? Because if we're going to talk about diversity and inclusivity, How can we address that with certain shops out there that may have a very difficult time with that?
3: You know, and I I think there are lots of shops, and and the culture of the automotive industry in general has a lot of problems with that. Um, I do see changes, and I think the first thing is awareness and education. And there's a lot of organizations out there now popping up, um, that are addressing it and providing training for your staff and training for the people in the shop so that they can have more awareness. You know, there's a, a saying that is when you know better, do better. So I think a lot of it is people don't know better, but they're starting to learn and to starting to do better.
0: Because I think at the end of the day, the mantra is like we got to get it done. I mean, at the end for us as service providers – we want to lead the charge, but providing a service experience from our clients, our clients aren't going to look at those nano dynamics and and suggest that there's a problem because of such and such as an individual. There's a problem with your organization, and I think that's a big thing that you're speaking on. Is when we start to identify the we of it all, and mm-hmm. and sit down and have have have. Well, I mean. Uh, I may not in my garage call it training. It could be a sit-down over a dinner about exploring who we are as individuals for the common good and mission of the team. You're seeing that.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to sit down with your team members and get to know your team members, and then you can better support them. And in an organization, say like Torqueda, where we're creating a really inclusive environment where people can show up as themselves every day, that it's really important for leaders in the company to get to know the people in their organization really, you know, fairly well. So that way you can create an equitable situation throughout the organization. You know, you know what each person needs in order to be successful in their role. And it varies from person to person. So I think Mm -hmm having that awareness is important. And, you know, part of the reason I came to Torqueda when I was looking for a position was because Tim was really good at conveying that message about an inclusive environment, about we're all here. It's about we. It's not about me. And I know that I've worked in different organizations where it varies much about me and not about the we of it all. And I think the we includes everyone.
0: Yeah, that's solid. Um, if you're just joining us, we're focusing on exploring various ways that diversity in the workplace can lead to innovation, creativity, and at the end of the day, so true, a competitive edge in the marketplace. Tim Eisenman, CEO of Torquata, And I remind you, remind you to get on at Torqueta.com. I'm going to spell it out, dot com. Driving better decisions through data and analytics. Tim, you got to speak on that. Give us the history. Why Torcada?
4: Well, you know, um, it's a good story, uh, and the name actually is a good story as well. But um, I joined the industry on the tire distribution side six years ago, and um, you know, I'm from Germany originally, so I love cars. But um, I also just was so intrigued about the opportunities out there, right? Like we're talking about an industry that is serving hundreds of thousands of retailers, millions of consumers, anyone in the United States, basically, right? Tons of suppliers, distributors, manufacturers. And um, and then I look at other industries that are equally big, like consumer packaged goods, for example, right? And like Coke knows how much Pepsi was sold and vice versa. And, And I just wondered, you know, how can it be that All of these companies individually are trying to, you know, optimize their own, their own operations, but they're not really collaborating. And I think one of the, one of the reasons for that lack of collaboration was that, you know, data and information exchange wasn't as prevalent as in other industries. And so I thought that's a big opportunity. I come from a kind of a technical background and I, I love, you know, numbers and statistics and all that stuff. I'm a bit of a nerd. I said, you know, why not bring what's worked in other industries where, you know, there are data analytics companies that are kind of creating the fabric of how companies interact. Why, why not bring that to the aftermarket? And, um, you know, we started in tires. We're, you know, two, two and a half years into our journey and, um, and uh, have been growing tremendously. And that's, you know, why diversity inclusion is such a big topic for me. Um, we had a, a really ambitious growth plan, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I don't make a couple of wrong hires or create an environment in which you know people can't be their best selves because ultimately I, I knew that it hurt the bottom line and, and not allow us to grow as fast as we wanted to. So um, I don't take diversity and inclusion as like a buzzword that we like stay on LinkedIn three times in order to get a couple of uh, couple of likes. Like I actually think it makes a difference day to day in in your business.
0: This is so true. Um, I'll be quite frank with you. I before what seems and jill i think you can comment we we've done uh an extensive show uh prior uh, a little deeper on the topic um for me i'm like really this is a topic because i mean i i personally didn't have these experiences like you know i was raised in an, in an element growing up in the city um where people are people and you, you just accept it. but i i think there is there is a something to say in the corporate world. Jill, I know you've experienced this firsthand. You probably have colleagues that have experienced this as well. Let's just talk about it. Women in the industry who do not get the respect they deserve, Uh, minorities in the industry that do not get the respect that they deserve. We are seeing changes, but I, I think we have, unfortunately, a long way to go because some do look at this as like, Oh, that sounds like a buzzworthy th- worthy thing. I'll, yeah. I'll just stamp that one. I'll check that box and okay, I did my deal. Uh, can you talk to us about that? What are you seeing on the street? Before we get more into uh, Torqueda and, and some of the offerings there, um, what are you seeing on the street? What gets you excited, Jill, about some of the changes that you're seeing that really have all to do with excelling teams in the end?
3: I mean, what gets me really excited is when you see the growth that women in auto care has experienced over the past few years, when you see organizations like DOT, um, Diversity of Thought, pop up, um, and when you attend their roundtables, and they're full of different organizations in the industry who've come together to talk about these subjects, it's super important for our industry because uh, we are unable to attract the amount of talent that we need to keep our industry healthy going into the future so we we need the we we need everybody to want to be a part of the automotive industry we need that diversity we need to work with organizations like TechForce and and drive those messages you know, down into the high schools, that this is an inclusive field that, that is something that you want to be involved with and that parents want their kids to be involved with.
0: Yeah, that's spot on. Uh, Tim, you've got f- over 15,000 tire retailers with uh, 50 million yep. tires sold. That's, that's, that's buku. That's big numbers out of that. To give folks listening, let's say I'm a tire store. I've got 10 tire stores. Can you get a little deeper? What's in it for me in this totally. uh, data collection uh, and offerings through Trocada? Let's go dive deeper in that.
4: To- to- totally. I mean, the punchline is um, most shops are leaving money on the table, right? Not intentionally, but because we talked about this before. Some Someone made the comment around, you know, or you got eight screens open, and you got to kind of be an expert in so many different things, um, and that's so true, right? So um, you, you might be really good at customer service, or you might be really good, you know, at the actual like servicing of the vehicles. But again, you got to be an expert in like inventory management, or you have, you know, the time to you know blind shop, you know, tire prices in your in your region and figure out whether you're priced higher or lower. That's really time consuming. But ultimately, every decision, you know can be good, it can be bad and, and, and make you more or less money, right? And so we thought, well maybe we can, you know, create a value proposition for these fifteen thousand shops. That's basically as follows. You know, we're gonna able we're gonna be able to help you optimize your inventory, right? Optimize your stock and what should you keep on the shelf? When should that change? Winter is coming. I probably need to switch out my stock a little bit. Um and not have to rely on gut feel and frankly like, you know, historical evidence because we know everything moves so fast and so We've got a suite of software products for shop owners, both large and small, that helps them around, you know, stocking decisions, pricing decisions, as well as, you know, how to maximize the back-end rewards from the tire manufacturers. And what we're seeing is, you know, if folks um, are engaged and participate on the platform, they can see, you know, in the tire segment, profitability growth just somewhere between 20 to 40%, and that's thousands, if not $10,000, and so... We're we're servicing these 15,000 shops, and uh, everyone that's part of the Trocada platform contributes data onto our platform, and then we kind of share that back with the retailers, right? Like, if, if I want to figure out what to stock, it might be helpful to know what tires are being sold in the area around me. And now me as a shop owner, I probably don't have access to that myself. I just know what I sold. And so we provide that market and competitive intelligence, map that against your own store data, and then say, go stock these four tires, participate in the Cooper program, and maybe raise prices on these three items. Ultimately, you'll make $12,000 more next month.
0: I love it. I think one of the biggest anxieties we have just in general, I mean, yeah, we're speaking specifically with the automotive industry, but I think small business in general, risk management of the ability to forecast properly. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, Jill, I know you've seen it. It's happened to me personally I've been a shop owner with multi-stores since 1995, and back in the day, uh, Tim, yeah, Frank would stand on the corner, wet his finger as the wind blew. Okay, that's what we're doing today. I mean, we had no plan, let alone the ability to measure and forecast, especially with tires, because it's not like I've got a 50,000 square foot shop that I can just, you know, I'm going to stock everything. Um, So I love the idea. Listen, the financial industry can future cast and forecast on financial products. Mm -hmm. I I think the automotive industry um, needs needs not only the tools, but uh, the proper data collection. Um, And as as you've coined, inventory visibility. How many of us out there right now um, have inventory? And I've seen these shops where we do the tour and we kind of, you know, go through it, and there's a room with, like, parts with dust on it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like inventory's not moving, you know. Uh, but then the owner says, uh, wait, no, that filter,
3: we'll sell it. Uh,
0: we'll sell one a year, but I know we'll sell it.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I was in a tire store a few months ago, and half of the stock looked like it probably hadn't moved in years.
0: Yeah, I believe that. Jill, who's your ideal client?
3: You know, mid to small tire retailers who really want to really dig in and optimize their inventory and their profitability.
0: Tim, who's your ideal teammate? If I'm <laughs> if I'm interviewing with you, what are you looking for?
4: Uh, what am I looking for? You know what?
0: I mean, I got um, the skill. Got- I got the degrees. I got the experiential. I- I'm, 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 I, don't, I, don't really I may, listen, I may schmooze you and I may say you spreken sie Deutsch. <laughs> yeah. What well, are you looking saying, for as an ideal teammate, especially now that we're talking about diversity and inclusivity?
4: For, for, for sure, um, and I mean, I'd hire you right away. We come from the, we're actually born in the same place. Yeah, we are Frankfurt, Frankfurt Germany. Yeah,
0: right? <laughs> that's right,
4: Frankfurt, Germany. Which they they just won the soccer game three hours ago. I'm not sure whether you followed or not, but
0: well, um, yay, yeah. Germany!
4: <laughs> you know what? You know, you know, you, you know what? I, what I'm looking for in people, uh, and and I used to interview every single one and every single one of my teammates at Torquayda, and now I still try to do that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but. Um, I, I usually look for, like, three things. Um, the first one, and I ask folks, you know, what are you interested in? Um, and I don't really care what people are interested in, but what I care about is whether people have passion, you know? Like, do you have a topic or topics that you can just geek out and talk about and show your enthusiasm, right? That's really important because I find that, you know, people that bring energy actually, like, you know, drive energy in other people. So that's one, uh, passionate folks. Number two. Um, I ask people, you know, about a challenge they just faced. And again, I don't really care about the challenge. I I care about how they talk about it. Do they talk about it in terms of, oh, yeah, it was really rough and I hated it and it's not going to happen again? Or do they talk about it as like, that was a really hard problem. And, man, you know, once I solved it, like, felt so validating and I went at it three or four times. So we love people that, you know, are not afraid of hard problems and falling down two or three times, but that they have embraced difficulty. And then lastly... Um, I'm I'm, I'm looking for people that are willing to not just treat this as a job, but, you know, and I I know this is a, it's a, it's a buzz thing as well, but like more of a family. And so, you know, in a family, you kind of have to bring your whole self and talk about, you know, what's going on and your emotions and whatnot, because honestly, we spend most of us more time at work than we actually do with our family. And so in order for me to do a good job working with you, I kind of need to know what's going on with you and how are you doing right now? And, some people are willing to do that, others are not, and I prefer working with the, vo- with the folks that are.
0: That's amazing. That, that's the way it should be. Jill, do you think uh, Do you think that uh, some of us come to work and we're not ourselves because we feel the pressure of this sort of big Taj Mahal of a corporation and, and, and maybe uh, I will use the phrase, I will just say it, the original gangsters of a corporation that can be intimidating to someone that comes on board, therefore I must feel, act a certain way and and not truly be my whole self by way of who I am to stimulate the passion and drive to get the mission done. Have you seen that?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, people show up all the time at work and, and don't feel free to be their authentic self. You know, especially if you're talking about, you know, the LGBTQ community, if you're talking about um, the African-American community and then and the, the Latino, Latino community, all these different communities, you show up sometimes. And if nobody at the office looks like you, then that creates a, a separation. Whereas if you can, if there's an environment of openness where you can show up and just be who you are, then you're more likely to do very well at work and show up and, and not have these barriers that are preventing you from really going all in. And I know at TORCADA, like, it's important. We have big hills to climb, and, and we're doing a lot of good things. And it's really important for everybody to be all in. And part of being all in is is being all in every piece of you. I know earlier in my career, I would not talk about my wife.
0: I, I unfortunately would, I remember the day or two, I'll be honest with you folks. This is how we roll here at Ranch Station. We're transparent. I came to the Southwest Mm -hmm. and I saw, saw some things coming from New York. You know, I was in California Navy, saw the world, some things like that. Always just sort of this cultural universal kind of thing. And I, Mainly in the music arena, Jill, you know, as a trombonist, music is universal, Mm -hmm. universal love, you know, and I saw some things that shocked me. They say when you move to a city, it's culture shock. But when you move out of a city, that can be cultural shock. And my point is, as a youngster coming up in the industry, I saw some things and I said, wow, this is this is not cool. I won't mention names, but it seemed like. This is how we're going to do it. You either conform or you're out of here. And, and that was intimidating even for me. Some poor kid from New York City that sees this and says, "Wow, I this is I guess this is it. This is corporate America. This is I I got to dance like this. I got to be into this culture." And I do see a shift now, and I'm grateful for it because, you know what, we are better when we can just be who we are. And I know, Tim, this is near and dear to your heart. You are an engineer, data analytics kind of guy. You will count the beans. You will color the beans. You will measure every single day. But if the beans don't smell good, you want nothing to do with it. And I think you're inspiring others not only in your company but in the industry and, and Jill, you mentioned women in auto care. Kudos to them um, for we should open this up. And you're inspiring because I think otherwise corporate America seemed to be like, oh, no, this is how we do things up in here.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frank, I I, I I agree with you. And I really I really appreciate what you're, what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I actually think in addition to, like, folks being able to do their, their best, work, right? In times where there's a, there's a shortage of staff, right? I mean, both in the data analytics space, because, you know, everyone that has ever done anything with artificial intelligence, you know, people want to hire you, but also on the technician side, right? And so once you've found someone that can do the job, it's really important to keep them. And, um, you know, like, I, I wish I could say that, you know, we can match the salaries of like Facebook and Google or Bank of America or whatnot. But like, reality is we can't. And so uh, I don't want to have people that just for, you know, $5,000 more a year jump ship. And so one way of doing that is by creating an environment in which people are not stressed out when they come home from work and in which they feel they actually have friends at work. And so I feel by cultivating that, um, it's also much easier to not just attract and get the best out of people, but to also retain them for longer because they're not going to be susceptible for, you know, like a a counteroffer with a little more money
0: we're going to get into uh unconscious biases that's a that's a an interesting phenomenon if you're just joining us uh Chiltrada 30 year industry veteran ASC certified technician leads uh business development and marketing if you're a tire store or you're growing as a tire store torquata.com dot com. i'll have that show notes. If you're hanging on the podcast, we'd like to hear your take. Tercada data and analytics is a data analyst analytics software company that helps tire manufacturers, distributors, and retailers maximize profits and the value for their clients by providing data that's visible. Some of you have data that's visible, but do you have the support to decipher the data? Let's talk about that. Tim, I mentioned earlier some of these uh, service advisors, service consultants, tire consultants. It literally is. It's like day trading. They got six screens. Everything does something different, and and they go home, and they the less fatigue that we can give our team, the more we can leave open for that service experience. How important is that to you, that service experience? After all, we're measuring data so we can – keep brain into the people want the people i know the data over here i got that so i'm going to be able to provide a better experience for my client how important is that to you uh at i mean
4: it, it it's super important and that's why we're here right like when i think about the like really positive repair experiences or the tire experiences i've had um they were because of personal interactions right and a lot of people, you know, the 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 ninety percent that are not gearheads and you know, uh, and actually like working on their cars, they they dread going going to the going to the shop and getting their their vehicle fixed, right? Um, a lot of people like don't really know what to expect, and you kind of feel like you're screwed, getting screwed over or whatnot. And so, I think really investing in that personal relationship is, is super important for a successful shop owner, and you you guys would would know that you know much better than anyone else. And so. What, what we're really aspiring to do is, is yes to, to make the shops more money but also to give them back more time that they can then either you know put into servicing their customers better and maybe sticking around for an extra two or three minutes you know of chit chat or frankly to maybe close that shop by six and not have to back off this work for an additional two hours and so um, that was actually a big learning for me that sure everyone wants you know an additional couple thousand dollars but uh, if I can get someone back an hour an hour a day, like, that is really valuable. And and so the the way we're talking Thank to top you. owners and how we're evolving a product really is around that time savings element.
0: I uh, want to share with you, those of you listening, I'm not saying you do what Frank does, and it took me years to get it right. But one of my goals, and it's important to me, is not just to make money with my business. I want to enjoy my time. And guess what? If I want a 15-minute coffee session with people, I want to be able to do that. I cannot do that if I don't have processes. I cannot do that if I don't have procedures. I cannot do that if I'm not measuring data properly. Even if the data doesn't make sense to me. Jill, you've got a great support system. Um, I'm a client of Torqueda. I've got an active tire store. Um, You have a great support team. That uh, is sort of my lifeline, so I'm not lost.
3: Exactly, and that frees up time for you to build community with your customers, which is something you're really great at doing. You're, the, the clients at your shop, Frank, are not just your customers, they're your community. And you do a great job of building this really inclusive community around auto repair.
0: Yeah, true that. It's, In fact, if it I'll be honest with you guys, if it wasn't for my wife, Frank would be a broke trombone player in Cuba, uh, maybe fixing a car once in a while. But I'm going to bring on Kieran O'Brien. I want to talk about this. Kieran, I know you've experienced this, okay? Um, this was brought to me, I was clueless about unconscious biases, which essentially uh, says that I may have patterns of behavior that are exclusive. Exclusionary, meaning um, maybe I grew up in New York. I want to hang out with people from Brooklyn. That's could be a bias. Or um, I'm German. I want to hang out with other Europeans. As a youngster coming up with talent in the AI space, you have sold several of your startups successfully. Can you share with me, did you have someone like a baby boomer tell you, hey kid, you don't know what you're talking about you got it all you knew it all you grinded for it all and here's an individual who's discounting you because of the bias now we're not talking about skin color or ethnicity or uh man or woman in this case we're talking about generationally yep. have you
1: experienced that and Jill I want to mm-hmm. talk to you on this unconscious bias as well kieran yeah. go ahead no I- I- absolutely I think you know as humans we have kind of a a tendency to stick with what's familiar and what's, uh, and, you know, and what we're used to. Um, you know, definitely, especially being, you know, in my early twenties in in the auto repair industry, I experience it every day. You got uh, a lot of
0: people didn't take you serious, probably. Uh, of course,
1: yeah, of course. But you know, there's an extent you, you got to prove yourself and earn your stripes. And I think that that has, um, that's, that's the case in any industry. But, um, yeah, I, I think looking at it, I've, I've worked in, uh, you know, a couple of industries outside of automotive and uh, automotive is is definitely a more antiquated industry as a whole. Aren't we, man? Aren't
0: we? We're just so like, Jill, talk to me, girl. I know we're so behind. I mean, I'm hearing stuff that goes on and I got to be careful because I got to tone it down. You know, I speak nationally and I travel like you, Jill, and it's like, Okay, i got to slow this down. But I'm like, it's time, people. Put the turbos on. Let's move to the future. Uh, Jill, we're getting there. But this unconscious bias, I'm going to give, I'm going to paint a scene. I've seen it firsthand in my garage. We've got this camaraderie. Guys, gals, everybody. Minorities. Uh, I've had transgender community uh, teammates on my squad. And there is something said That was taken on the person that said it as a joke. Now, under pressure, we all laughed. But that individual went home and reflected and said, wait a minute, that was an insult to me. How can we get better when sort of this camaraderie level seems to be stuck in time? We know that people will joke around to relieve some stress and tension, but how do we keep it to where it's not a bona fide insult to who I am? How do we train on that? Can you can you help me out here? Because I know I have shop owners listening. They feel like they're doing a decent job. And then they have an incident that they weren't prepared for. And it's typically centered around, you know, there's some horseplay language-wise in the back shop. And this could serve for any small business. Jill, how do I, how do we handle this? How do we deal with that?
3: I mean, I think these days you, you handle it directly and call it out and have a discussion about it and why that makes people uncomfortable when whatever a comment would be, whether it's a comment about race or gender or sexuality, is addressing it in the moment if you can or coming back to it later and just acknowledging that. That comment made me feel uncomfortable. You know, I kind of felt like that was pointed at me and that didn't make me feel very good. I think just like talking openly about it is really important in creating that environment where people can make mistakes and people can say things that maybe would have been just fine. nobody would have said anything 20 years ago. But it, it's the old adage, again, where if, when you know better, you need to do better. And I think as a society, in certain areas, we are, we're learning to do better. And we're learning to call these things out. And we're learning to be kinder to each other.
0: Mankind. Todd Ramsey, get on the mic. Todd Ramsey, Ramsey Consulting. Todd, you, you've been around the block. You've been in this industry for many years. You've seen some things. I bet you can testify that, for years, this industry was not kind. It was just like grind, get it done. The customer needs it now, it and very, people got stomped yeah. on.
2: Yeah, it was very much that way, and and uh, especially if you're a commission based or a productivity based uh, uh, technician, that you know the more I mean you have to wrap up the job to get paid, and and uh, so some of that stuff is um, just sort of institutional in the way we pay people, but getting to the culture issue i think that great culture is evident to customers or clients terrible culture is evident to customers and clients but in the middle if you're not sure if you're wishy-washy if you just don't have any conviction or or at least working on that process the middle's a tough place to be man you know i think the the bottom feeders will wash out they don't have culture or they'll continue to have hiring problems mm-hmm. but the good culture people Customers really recognize that. And I, as a customer, let's say outside of automotive, but in other industries or other services, I want to, you know, do business with people who have employees that work for them who like working for them and who aren't going to, you know, shortchange the job or, you know, halfway do something because they're like, you know, I'm not going to get paid for this extra work anyways, or whatever their lamenting is. So the good culture uh, has so many dividends, but from a customer standpoint, I think customers are pretty wise. They can, they can see good culture a mile away.
0: You're building a company, Kieran O'Brien. Before yeah. we get to Tim, Kieran O'Brien in studio. Uh, and when I tell you uh, we've got a gentleman in studio that is a technical gift, you know, you go from guru to gift. I think the gurus, the gurus can uh, soothsay in the cave and they rub the crystal ball and they're gurus. But when you get to gift level, Kieran, I gave you a compliment. Uh, You're in the AI space. How important is it to you that as you're dealing with shop owners and you're getting ready to launch, we can't talk about this. It's top secret, although (laughs) we've been known to rip the Band-Aids off the top secret stuff, but I respect what you're doing. Um, How important is it to you as you go? I mean, you got the technical product that there's a demand for, but at the end of the day, you still want to do business with people that, you want to do business with by the way you admire their cultures and so on. Could there be somebody that doesn't work for you? Let's talk about this. Would you fire yeah, a no. client? I mean, I, I'll i be honest with you. I, I will fire you listening if you come in, especially I use the, the whole era of COVID. If you came into my garage as a, as an individual that thought you were military blasted out of your mind, and I'm an ex-vet that you didn't need to wear a mask next to my 85-year-old client that's fragile. I will fire you.
1: How do you feel about that? Is, is Culture is a big deal for you. You don't want to do business with dirt. Absolutely. Thanks for the compliment, Frank. Um, yeah, I mean, c- culture is massive, and and it's something that we take very seriously at, at my new company, and um, it, it's it's at the forefront of everything that we do. And, you know, your, your, your people are the most important piece of, of your business, whether you're building a a tech company or, or you have a a repair shop, it it really doesn't matter. It's, it's all, it's all the same, right? And so, um, nothing replaces that, um, to, to Todd's point, you know, people can, culture is tangible. People can feel when they walk into your shop, when they get on a call with one of your, um, you know, customer success people or, or, or whatever it might be, they can feel the company culture through the way that they're communicating with you. And so it seeps into all different aspects of the business. And to answer your question, absolutely, we've fired customers in the past. If they don't align with uh, our culture and, or, or they disrespect an employee uh, or, or anything along those lines, it's, you know, it's, it's black and white for us. Uh,
0: Tim, CEO of Torqueda, you have your hands full. You're a visionary. You've got a great team. We could never accomplish a mission without the good people side by side that don't necessarily work for us, they work with us, which is a beautiful mantra. Do you think, Tim, we've had a history, and I'm speaking automotive industry-wise, that we chased money so much that we literally stomped on everything and everything that had to do with culture, and then to follow up with that, is it a beautiful thing to witness that we're seeing productivity still can be uh, there, profitability can still be there, and we can respect the individuals on our team throughout that process. What say you, Tim?
4: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I think every organization is different, right? And so I, I think how people like define culture is probably evolving as well. There's a lot of things that like, I think our industry has exhibited for years and decades, right? Serving customers, um, you know, has been front and, uh, front and center and, you know, uh, being an active contributor in the community. And I like, that's that's a part of culture too. So, Like, I I don't want folks to walk away from here and say, oh, you know, everything in the past was bad. I I think evolution is necessary, and I think we're at a point where if you want to do well in business and you want to make money, you got to consider the impact on your employees and on your customers. And, you know, that's been driven by the media, I think, making this topic, you you know, bigger. I think other industries starting to be... Uh, to be um to be maybe a bit more forward thinking and also with the consumers also like uh, demanding it i I think there's no way around it and um and I think the the winners of tomorrow are going are going em- embrace it and and so um i'm really excited to be in the industry right now witness and and be an active driver of that change when when I think about what I want to do with my life it'd be great to you know make a ton of money and buy a yacht or something i don 't know but if I can look back and say, you know what, like, we were we were part of that change in the industry, like, that'd be really something to be proud of. And, and I, would, I would love to be in a position to, to be able to say that.
0: The power of diversity is, uh, is here, people. If you have a small business, things to consider. We realize that uh, you're in the back room making widgets really good. It's important. But now more than ever, uh, people on your squad and your team, we need to open up to that inclusivity. Uh, Torqueda, if you were a tire shop. Are there any other service portions of the industry? Is it primarily tire shop? I want to make sure I get this right. Tim, can you speak on that? We've got a minute real quick.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's tires for now. The other product categories going forward. But if you're an auto shop that's not, you know, selling a bunch of tires, you might want to rethink that because with electric vehicles and so on, tires are going to be a thing that these cars need more and more and more. And so uh, you might want to think into, into, into growing your tire, your tire side of the business. We'll service uh, we'll service other product categories as well, but tires for now.
0: Tim Eisenman, CEO of Tercada. Turqueda. I'll have that in show notes. Jill Trotta, you're a rock star girl. I always love chatting with you and, and meeting up. Uh, we we, uh, we got to meet up again pretty soon. Uh, the fall, I guess you could say, maybe come in sooner than later. Uh, we'll certainly oh, connect. Yeah. Always an honor. Um, You both have absolute, amazing vibes, is what I would say. And you're both professionals in the industry. And I'm grateful uh, for the message. We need to continue this message. And I thank you both for joining wrench Nation. Yeah,
3: thanks thank for having you us so on. so
0: much Frank. for having us, Frank. And if I'm in LA, Tim, I may pit stop from a car show or two there in uh, Newport Beach, and. Come and see the headquarters of the Torqueda folks.
4: Let's do it. Can't wait.
0: (laughs) Right on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's what it's about. You know, Kieran O'Brien in studio, we talked about there's always going to be challenges. We don't have to make things harder than they need to be.
1: No, absolutely
0: not. We can make it done. Todd Ramsey, any last parting words? You got 10 seconds.
2: Hug a mechanic.
0: (laughs) There you go. You you stole my thunder. You guys, if you caught bits and pieces of this show... Uh, catch our podcast it's weekly usually Sunday or Monday I'll upload that if you got a show idea automotive lifestyle anything that you want to promote a local rock star technician we'd love to have them on the show RanchNation.tv as I tell you every week be safe hug each other and never forget to hug a mechanic I
2: never-